0: If you'll remain standing and take out your Bibles and turn to Romans 13. Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Oh, no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Let's pray. Lord, again, I thank you for just how practical your word is. Lord, uh, you show us who you are. Reflects your greatness and your glory in so many big ways and small ways. Lord, today, we need to hear from you again. And I pray that you would anoint me with your spirit that you would help me to have ears to hear as you guide me. And Lord, that you would use this time to just uh, call your people, Lord, to love others as you have loved us. Lord, I pray now that your name would be exalted during this time. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you that are older might be able to relate to what I'm about to say. Uh, when I grew up, I'm 63, when I grew up as a kid, we were very poor. And what happened was, is we would go down to the local grocery store, and they would have like a tab almost. And you'd go there, and mom would say, hey, go down there and buy this. And, and then they'd, I'd say, we don't have any money, can you put it on a tab? And they'd write it down there. And there were times when we would go there, and they'd say, you know, tell your mom and dad they probably need to come in and pay their bill, Okay. And so they would do that. They would go and they would pay their bill because they didn't want to be known as a deadbeat was the term that they used back then. Deadbeat was somebody who didn't pay their debts, who didn't take care of their obligations, who didn't take care of their family. And so when I grew up, I wanted to make sure that I paid my bills on time, I paid them in full, and, uh, because I didn't want to be a deadbeat. But as I was studying for this message, I found out something. I am a deadbeat. I'm a deadbeat in this sense that I found out it, that in the banking industry, if you're a person who pays your bills right away, you're known as a deadbeat because they can't make any money off of you. So I guess I'm a deadbeat. I don't know how many of you are, but I am. <laughs> and uh, what we're going to learn today is this, that uh, we are called by God to pay all our debts faithfully, especially the reoccurring debt of loving others. Now the Bible warns us about the dangers of debt, but it does not prohibit debt. Take a look at God's word. Romans 13:7 through 8. Now I went to verse seven because we have to take God's word in context. All right? Starting in chapter 12, up till uh, chapter 12, it was all how God made a way for us to be right with Him. And in response to God's mercy, this is how you're to live. You're to live as a living sacrifice in worship to God. And then he starts laying out these these ways that we reflect that, that we we show God's grace and mercy in the way that we live to others. And so we started out with, uh, I went to chapter 7, because if you remember, he was talking about paying back your debts. Pay to all that what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed, owe no one anything except to love each other. And here's some of the counsel in Scripture. Uh, Proverbs 22:7, the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. And then Psalm 37, 21, the wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. I was in a church when I was younger where they refused to take a loan out on a building because they said all debt is is unbiblical. That's not scriptural. Uh, We need to understand that it is not wrong to have credit cards, it is not evil to have credit cards, but we must use them responsibly. That's where the problem comes in. We need to use our, our credit cards responsibly. We need to be careful with the debt we have, and here's why. Because you don't own a thing. It's not your money. It's God's. You are a steward of what God has given you. So you own nothing. It's God who owns it. And so you are managing God's money. And so we need to look at that as we consider debt. Because God wants to glorify his name through the finances that he has given us to use for his purposes. Now, we need to be cautious about debt. Okay. Uh, I love what m- one of my friends said. He, j- he just said, you know, you don't go in debt for toys. Toys, uh, maybe a boat or a collector car or something like that. He said, you don't go into debt for toys. You have to be careful what you decide to go into debt for. But more importantly, we need to learn in today's society that we need to learn to live within our means. God has provided and he will take care of us but we need to live within our means and whatever debt's that we have, whatever financial obligations we owe, you signed on the dotted line. You said you'd pay it. You knew what it was going to cost. You signed on the dotted line. So whatever debts we have incurred, we need to pay faithfully and we need to pay on time because it's a witness to God. We're his children. And so we need to make our payments faithfully and on time. If you're having a struggle with it, then call up those creditors and Work out, hey, I'm having a hard time. Can you please help me? What can we do? But you don't just blow it off. And I want to say this, and this, I might ruffle some feathers here, but declaring bankruptcy is not a good witness because you committed to those finances and you committed and they gave you in good faith and you knew what you were signing up for. So when we declare bankruptcy, we are not a good witness, and as one man put it, it's tantamount to stealing. You said you would pay it back. You signed on the dotted line, and now you're saying, nope, I'm not gonna do that. So we need to be careful of what we go into debt for. We need to be careful how much debt we have, and we need to manage those things in the light of God's glory and his purposes for what he has entrusted to you. But there's one debt that you will absolutely never, ever, ever fully pay off. You will never retire this debt. And that is the debt that you owe to love others. It's in context with what we're talking about that we are to love others, and that debt is never fulfilled. Well, what do we mean by loving others? We have such a twisted view of what love is, don't we? I love pizza, right? We throw that word around like it's nothing. Uh, but what is love? How do you define love? Is it a feeling? What is it? I use this as a definition for love. Love is to seek the best interest or the highest good of another at your your expense. You know why I use that? Because that's the gospel. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. That's God's definition of love. That we were lost, separated from God. No hope of a relationship with him. Our sin had separated us from him for eternity and God so loved that he sent his son. What a cost for the father to send his son for a bunch of rebels like us, huh? Putting our good ahead of his own son even, saying, you know what, I'm going to send my son. He's going to die for their sins. He's going to live the perfect sinless life which was required in order to spend eternity in heaven. Then he was going to go to the cross, be punished for sins that weren't his. Why? Because of God glorifying his name, and he did it in love as well so we stand. That's the definition that I have for love because it seems to me that's a biblical definition of what love is. You see, because love at its core is really not a feeling. Love at its core is a commitment that results in action. Take a look. It's right here in this section of Scripture. Romans chapter 13, 8 through 9. So we repeat 8 a little bit. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then it goes on in James 1, 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. What we see here is that... Um, the law prohibits certain actions which would harm others, right? So in other words, we're not going to commit adultery with our neighbor because why? Because that's not loving. It's sin. And so what he's showing us, he's saying there's actions behind what loving looks like. And he's listing some of the Ten Commandments which, as I said, are reflect more of what not to do. So when we're looking at this whole thing of loving others, how do you do that? Where does it start? Memorizing scripture? Where where does this loving others start? Loving others starts in your heart. That's where it starts. It starts on the inside. And then what happens is it works its way outward in action. Take a look at God's word. Matthew 15, 19. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. Aren't those some of the things listed in Romans chapter 13, verse 9? You say, out of the heart those things come from. That's where they come from. And then verse uh, 28. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You see, what we do is... Is that we just look at it? And I read those lists, and you go, "I didn't kill anybody, I didn't commit any adultery, I didn't, I, I don't, you know, I didn't do any of that stuff." And God's saying, "Whoa, whoa, 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 time out! It's so much bigger than that. It goes inside your heart. You know, He says, Listen, if you looked upon that person and lusted, you've committed adultery.' My guess is this: this room is full of adulterers, if that's the definition. I know I'm one. And he says, you know what? You say you would never committed murder. What about if you go in between these verses, it says that if you hate someone, it's as if you've committed murder. The judgment is there. So we go, he's saying, you know what? We look at the outward actions and we think that's where it's all about. But he said, you've got to understand, it starts in the inward is what the statement is being made here. In other words, where does murder come from? We hate someone. Where does adultery come from? Lust in our hearts. So he's saying, you know what? All these sins, we look at the outside and we say, these are the things I shouldn't do. And we forget that we have to, it's about the inside, that all these things come forth from what's in our hearts. And God's saying, you know what? This is what we need to do. We need to focus on that. And I'll tell you what, if you didn't get a chance to hear Steve Thompson's message last week, please go and listen to it. Because I am always amazed at God. Because his message dovetails so beautifully into this one. And I just stand in awe of God when he does that. It just shows me that he is sovereign over all things. And I found this quote where where Steve was talking about the action, doing certain things, loving justice, etc. Look at what he said. They're not a to-do list. And that includes the one we just read in verse 9. They're not a to-do list, as if you can find favor with God. They're not about what we ought to do, but who we ought to be. And who we ought to be is a reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying it's about the inside. So loving our neighbor starts from the inside, in our own hearts. Saying, God, make me like you, Lord Jesus. Help me to be like you. Deal with these heart issues, Lord. You see, the law focuses more on prevention of evil than the promotion of good. But loving others is more than just not doing certain things, right? Well, I didn't kill him. I mean, my next-door neighbor got me mad, but I didn't get mad at him and kill him. So I'm good. I grumbled a lot. See what I'm saying? What happens is, is that the law focuses on what not to do But if we're truly to love others, then that means that it's proactive, that there's things we're going to do, not just things, this is a whole list of what I'm not going to do to show that I love my neighbor. I'm not going to commit adultery. I'm not going to steal from them. I'm not going to covet. He says, but what are you going to do, Dan, to show you love? Because love is a commitment that shows action. Action, that means I'm not going to do certain things, but I am going to do others. I am going to do others. So it's saying that love is proactive. Love is proactive. It's doing things to bless people, to help them. And it's so important here and always to read Scripture in context. What was it saying in chapter 12 and chapter 13 before this? He was saying this is how, uh, because of God's great mercies, you're a living sacrifice and worship to God. And he started listing things. How do, what does that look like? Because of God's mercy, how do you live? And he listed a bunch of those. And if you remember, he was talking about uh, you'd never return evil for evil. Remember that? But return good for evil. And wow. And then he's talking about enemies. He's talking about the government here. So when we look at loving our enemies... Or looking at lo- loving others, we realize that that includes our enemies. And he's saying, You got to love them because you owe them a debt of love. That's amazing. So we look at this and, and we say, You know what, God? We want to be proactive with our enemies, with all people. That's how we're going to love people. How can we be proactive in loving? Well, a hurricane hit. How can we be proactive in loving those people in Florida? I don't know, but I want to look for a way. How can I be proactive in loving people with regards to, well, let's say adultery, by standing on the sacredness of marriage, by standing on God's word, saying, you know what, God's word says that marriage is between one man and one woman, and anything outside of that is not God's will. You say, well, that doesn't sound very loving. It is loving because it's the truth, and hopefully I'll speak it in love. But then I can say, I love you, but I, I can't love your sin. And so I'm gonna stand on the truth that God's word is 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 the standard. And this is what he, what he says. And anything outside of that is not God's will, and it's hurting you. And I'm loving you by telling you that, by communicating that. Some people say, well, I fell out of love with my spouse and I fell in love with my next door neighbor so adultery is really love, Dan. No, it's not. It's a crime against love. Don't let the enemy deceive you. He'll tell you all kinds of things and your heart will tell you all kinds of things. It's sin. And so we need to step away from possible situations where that could go somewhere. We've got to be careful. We see that what what it is is that love Stays away from certain things, but it also does things. It expresses itself in action. That means this: that we need to love our neighbor in thought, word, and deed. I got to be honest here. I look at this thing and I go, "Wow, deed." I, I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I do certain things because I feel I have to. All right, pastor, you know, whatever, I'm, my pride, got to look good. That stinks. Not No good heart motive there. That's not loving my neighbor. And I can put a guard over my mouth most of the time, but sometimes it gets out, and why do I put the guard over my mouth? Sometimes it's because I don't want to ask for forgiveness. Boy, what, isn't that a pure motive on Dan's part, Right? but my biggest struggle is in my thought. Because you know what? People can see what I say and what I do, but they can't see what I'm thinking. And somehow in my flesh, I, I feel like that gives me a right to think things that are very unloving to my neighbor or people. And I have to take my thoughts captive. Because if I'm to truly love, as this section of scripture says, it is in thought, word, or and deed. And when, by God's grace, I'm able to do that, This scripture says it fulfills the law. What in the world does that mean? Let's take a look. God's word. Romans 13.10. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Wait a minute. I thought Christ fulfilled the law for me. He paid the price. He, he, He lived the law perfectly, which is what God required. He did it for me. What do you mean... That somehow, when we follow the Ten Commandments, we're fulfilling the law. Christ has done that for us. Look at how it's addressed in Romans 8, 3 through 4. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. What was required to go to heaven by the law is completely fulfilled for us in Christ. And Christ's righteousness is imputed to us. That's what it's talking about. But look at what it goes on to say. The law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. He's talking about the spirit. Now, now, there's something here. We go to Galatians 5, 16 through 17. But I say walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these oppose are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So he's saying, listen, Jesus fulfilled the law for us, so we are made right with God. But we still need to walk in a way that honors God, walk in the Spirit. That's what we need to do. And it looks like here, Matthew seven twelve. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So what's it talking about here? Well, it's not doing the law in order to be saved or to be righteous, but rather what we see is that when we walk by the Spirit, when we do that, we will obey the law. We will do that. When we're walking in the Spirit, we're not going to commit adultery in our hearts, or actually, we're not going to do that because we're walking in the Spirit. Christ has set us free from the penalty and the power of sin. So when he's talking about how does that fulfill the law, it means that, you know what, what the law is calling me to do, I am able to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the one enabling me to do that. It's not me, but I want to walk in a way that honors God. Put, Put my flesh aside by God's grace, by God's mercy. We walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh. And we somehow think this. We somehow think that law and love are enemies. That's what we think. Law and love are enemies. They contradict each other. But that's not the case, and the best—I'll tell you what—I'm so grateful to God because He just leads me. And I found this quote by John Stott, and I thought I'm just going to read it and then move on to the next point. Take a look at this: Law and love are often thought to be incompatible; that there are in, that there are and there are significant differences between them. Law being often negative and love positive. Law relating to particular sins: you shall not. And love being a comprehensive principle. The truth is that love cannot manage on its own without an objective moral standard. That is why Paul wrote not that love is the end of the law, but that love is the fulfillment of the law. For love and law need each other. Love needs law for its direction, while the law needs love for its inspiration. Isn't that great? It explains it. He's explaining what is happening in Romans chapter 13, 8 through 10. He's bringing it together. He's saying, look at this. This is how you love. It's reflected in this way. It's amazing what God does. So what's the standard? What, what is our standard for living? What What, what Where is that? How, how should we, you know, what does that look like? well, it says this, that in order to love others, we should love them as we love ourselves. Take a look at God's word again. Romans 13, 9b. Any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? Mark 12, 30 through 31. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. You know what this is not a call to? It's not a call to self-love. Say, wait a minute, it says that. Love your neighbor as yourself. He's calling us to love ourselves. And we can't do that until we love ourselves first. So this is a call to love ourselves. Brothers and sisters, i got to say that self-love is the essence of sin, isn't it? I want what I want, and I want it now, and I think this is the best for me, so I'm going to do it. Our self-love is the problem. And even if you consider this, think about love. Love is relational, right? It's got to be between two people. How can you self-love then? That's an oxymoron. So what happens is, is that he's saying, you know what? No, time out. This is not a call to self-love. It's not a command to do that. But you know what it is? In all these sections of Scripture? It's a recognition that we do that naturally. We really like us. We really take care of us really well. I take care of Dan pretty good. You know, I, I eat the wrong food, but I kind of like it at the time, so I'm thinking I'm doing myself pretty good. We do ourselves well, we take care of ourselves, we do it naturally. And we, we're not going to do something that's going to harm us or hurt us. And you know what we really like to do? We really like to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. Right? well, yeah, I, I think my motives are probably pretty good. You see, he's saying, you know, you naturally do that, Dan. You take care of yourself. You love yourself in that way. you got to love others that way. you got to love them that way. We love ourselves quite well. And it says this that we need to seek for our neighbor the same things we seek for ourselves in the same way that we seek them for ourselves. You know what? If I want something for me and I think it's going to help, I'm diligent. I'm like a dog on a bone, right? I'm sure you guys are too. And you're you know you're going to do whatever it takes to get that. He's saying, you know what? When you're loving your neighbor, you should want the same things for them, and you should pursue those same things for them the same way you pursue them for yourself. So now I'm gonna go back to debts. And I'm gonna ask you to do this. Think about you paying off debts. You you have your debts, you know what that requires to pay them off? It requires hard work and diligence you got to keep at it and you're you're making decisions based on trying to retire that many times you find that when you're looking to retire debt you're going to have to deny yourself many times in order to reach your goal right so you want to pay off a bill and things are tight so guess what you're not going to have that drive up coffee 5 days a week You're going to do what? You're going to deny yourself. And you're going to say, I'll only do it two days a week. You deny yourself. So you're going to be diligent in in retiring that debt. It's going to be a conscious move. And you're going to deny yourself in order to retire that debt, to reach that goal. And you have a debt of love. So what does that mean? It means that to love others, it requires us to have a constant effort and thought and self-sacrifice just like we retire any other debt. And you know what? I can't do that. I don't know about you, but I'm sure throughout this message, there are times, I can't do that. And we can't. Not in our own strength, we can't. Not in our own strength. We need God's grace. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us. But we need to know that Christ, when he died on the cross, as I said, broke the penalty and the power of sin. So we can live in a way that honors God. We can live in a way that uh, we don't kill, we don't steal, we don't do these things, not even in our hearts, because of God's grace and mercy. He's working in us. He's making us into the image of Christ. He's sanctifying us. And he's saying, you know what? You can't do this in your own strength. You gotta lean on God. So I asked myself this question. Okay, and you can ask it yourself this every debt you have, you know where it came from, right? I needed a house, so I went to this bank and I signed it, whatever. Well, where did I get this debt of love? I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up, but what you're calling me to what the word of God is calling me to do here, I didn't sign up for this. I would say that what is debt? When you think about it, you're looking for the definition. It's an obligation to pay back what you previously were given, right? You were given money to pay off your house. You signed a debt or whatever it might be, school. And you signed a debt and they told you this is the interest rate. So you were given something previously and now you're paying it back. So this debt of love, it means somehow we were given something. We were given something and we were given by God's grace this wonderful love of God in Christ. Now, we're not paying back the debt that we owe in order to get God's favor, but I like the term we use today. We used to, a term today called pay forward, right? Somebody changes your tire, and you want to give them 10 bucks, you know, I just pay it forward, do it. Do it to someone else. And I almost see that as, you know, this picture of the grace of God. That he says, I was loved by the living God. I'm gonna pay that forward. Not to earn God's favor, Not to earn God's favor, but I'm going to pay it forward. Take a look at God's word. John chapter 13, 34 through 35. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. That's the way. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Saying, love them like I loved you, Dan. Love them like I've loved you. And the reason being is that love is the inevitable response of a heart that is truly touched by God. I mean, if you have been touched by the grace of God, you understand the depth of what God saved you from and his mercy and his grace coming at you every day and his love being poured out to you, then it only makes sense that you will be able to love others. And it's interesting, too, because it says here that love is a distinguishing mark of a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to be able, they'll know that you're my disciples by your love one for another. And I understand that this is in the context of the body of Christ, but it goes beyond that as well because we take scripture all together. So where does that come from? How can we do that? Well, the key was in the first, the, the two great commandments. Love the Lord God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the foundation, God's love. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. You see, it's God's love towards us that is the foundation for our love towards others. It is the foundation. It is the source of our loving others. It is our motive for loving others. God's love towards us is the source is the motive, is the foundation of our loving others. And when we understand the grace of God, we understand what he has done for us in Christ. And the beauty of the gospel, what's going to happen is that we are going to be filled with God's inexhaustible love. Right? And what happens? It overflows. That's what happens. It overflows you got a cup and you fill it up and you just keep pouring and it overflows. And that's what we see here is this picture of God's love so overwhelming us, us delighting in who God is and his grace and his mercy and his love towards a rebel like me. And that love that he has for me overflows. And I see I'm not all it. But God loved me. I can, I, I, God helped me love them. change my heart. And what we see is this, is that the father will manifest his love to a lost world through the loving acts of his children. You See how that's a witness? That's a beautiful picture of God, that he's going to sh- reflect his love by the loving acts that we do. Why do you do that? I'm a believer, and, I, and God calls me to love, and I want to do that with joy. That's so weird in today's world, isn't it? Everything is about me and and wanting to just fulfill whatever I want. This is such a radical call to love others. so impossible unless you know Christ first. And out of that comes the ability that God would change our heart and that we would overflow with love. So my question is this have you been faithfully keeping up with your love payments? To your family? To your neighbors? To the people you work with? To your enemies? How have you been doing with your love payments? I fall really short. But you see, this kind of love It's only through the grace of God. It's only through God's grace. And it's experienced and received and lived out in dependence upon the Holy Spirit. It's got to be a work of God. We can't gut it up. But we have to pursue it. Because God calls us to. And the thing about it is, is this. This is a lifelong growth process. Lifelong. But you have to understand something. No matter how much you try to pay off this debt of love, you'll never pay it all off. It's an unending debt. And it'll be done when we're standing in heaven with Jesus. So realize that. But don't be complacent and just say, oh, well, don't be merely hearers of the word, and not doers of it. But ask God to work in your heart, to change your heart, and that it would break forth in love for God to loving those around us. When that happens, God will be glorified we will find a joy that we don't even, can't even comprehend. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I stand in awe of you today, Lord. I love your word. It calls us to live in a way that is so countercultural, that is so impossible without you, but all things are possible because of your spirit. So, Lord, I pray that you would change my heart, change our hearts, God, that this would be a passion of ours that we would desire to love those with our thought, words, and deeds. And God, do this in our hearts. God, show us where we can walk in this so that your name would be glorified. God, thank you for all that you do in us and through us, for your glory and our good. Amen.